communication in marriage is one of the most foundational elements and yet one of the most frustrating parts about marriage. I know this from personal experience and also just from listening to you. Those of you that have joined my Facebook community and that I have the privilege of getting to know better have also said communication is your number one struggle in marriage. And so today I brought you a guest. Her name is Dr. Carol Tanksley. She's an author, speaker, personal coach, licensed OBGYN physician, and ordained doctor of ministry. And she loves to help people find the transformation that Jesus offers in areas of broken relationships and mental emotional problems. And today she's going to be giving you three rhythms of communication that can help bring unity and connection in your marriage. So go grab your coffee and get ready because here we go. This isn't a game of ding dong ditch and don't worry, I'm not a solar panel salesman. I'm just here to see you friend. Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to the JAR podcast with your host, Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth, and we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over, Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. All right, guys, welcome back to the JAR podcast. I have a special guest on today who I have the privilege of meeting for the first time, but I also have an indirect connection with through another friend, and I was just so pleased and honored to have you come on, Dr. Carol. So if you will introduce yourself to us and let us know a little bit about you and what you do. Well, thanks so much. I'm really uh, pleased to be here on The Jar with you. I'm a OBGYN physician by training and experience. I'm also a doctor of ministry. Now I spend the majority of my time um, writing, do some speaking, and do coaching with individuals and couples who are going through tough times and just helping them find how the transformation that Jesus offers uh, applies in their situation. Uh, marriage is one of the big issues that I get asked about. It's probably the number one challenge that I talk with people about. And I'm just really thrilled to talk about it with you here today. Well, I'm excited because I know you're going to bring a unique perspective. And for those of you listening, I was doing some research, just a little backstory on a topic for this podcast and I came across Dr. Carol and recognized her from a connection, a mutual friend we have. And so I thought, why not just bring her on? So I'm excited to have her share with you. And Dr. Carol, one of probably the number one struggles that my listeners have that they face in their marriages, at least they've told me in my Facebook group and that I can gather by highest downloaded episodes is their communication with their husbands. Mm. And they struggle with how to communicate well, especially when he's not, or maybe he's not putting forth as much effort in that area, or how to get and stay on the same page as their husbands. A lot of my listeners are Christians, but some face unique challenges with the fact that they're in a blended marriage or a remarriage or separation and reconciliation or 
their husband's on a different faith level as them. Yeah. And that can bring all kinds of interesting things into communication. So I just kind of want to talk about, I guess, some basic strategies or tools that can help these women get on the same page, bring purpose and outcome to conversations with their husbands and ultimately result in more peace and unity in their marriage. So what are maybe some tips or tricks that you have regarding that? First thing I want to say is your, uh, your listeners talking about communication being the number one issue. We found that in the people that, that we talked to, we surveyed our audience and the number one issue among married people was communication. 70% of the married people that we surveyed, communication was what they wanted help with. It really is number one. What, one of the top things is that I think many of us women see communication as a means to connect. We want that sense of connection with uh, our, our friends, our family, and particularly our husbands. And we enter communication not so much for transferring information from one person to another, but as a means to connect. And that is how God made us. That is part of our relational nature as women. Here's one of the challenges. Many men don't see communication in the same way. Uh, The average man sees communication more as a means of transferring information. Mm -hmm. To the average woman, to most of us, communication without feelings, without uh, attention, um, without that... uh, deeper content feels superficial and unimportant and maybe even dismissing to many men communication with feelings and the deeper content it can feel intimidating it can feel awkward and just understanding those differences first of all can let many of us know that oh what I'm feeling, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only uh, person, only couple where this is a challenge. And also just help you start to see some ways in which you can make communication more effective between you and your husband. Just understanding that difference can be a place to, to begin. So I, I like what you said about just the perspectives we bring into communication. There's a a quote that I forget where I first heard it, but it says differences aren't wrong. They're just different. And it's just understanding (laughs) it's a starting point. So from there, what would you recommend once they have that maybe foundational understanding, what do they do in the heat of the moment when they don't feel on the same page or they don't feel like they're speaking the same language with their husband? Yeah. Start with your own heart. Sometimes you need to stop the communication. Sometimes you need to back up. Because entering communication with your husband to try and get something from him, even if it's understanding or agreement or something like that, entering that communication to get something from him will usually result in defensiveness or walls. It isn't very likely to make you feel like you're on the same page with him. So first, it's important to back up and and check your own heart. 
um, if this is something that's important to you, if you have something that really matters and you want to communicate and get on the same page with your, your husband ab about this particular matter, um, take time to get out of your emotional angst first. And for many of us women, that means we have to get filled up from other sources rather than going to our husband in the best marriages, godly marriages, where both people are people of goodwill and have done the work. There is much goodness that you do receive from your husband. But when Eve goes to Adam to get her deepest needs met, it never goes well. Mm -hmm. So learning to feed yourself uh, when you were a child, a baby. Uh, your parents or caretakers, they decided what you ate, when, how, how much. As you became older, you learned to feed yourself. Well, it's the same with our mental, emotional, spiritual, relational needs. That doesn't let your husband off the hook if he is behaving badly. But to acknowledge in your own self that you are the one who is responsible to find the places God has ordained to fill those needs in your soul, rather than getting upset if your husband doesn't immediately see and sense and try and fill that, that lets you come to communicating about something important from a sense of fullness rather than a sense of emptiness. You come more with what are you giving rather than what are you seeking to get? And here's the question, or here's, here's the perspective. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. That isn't original with me. That's the first of Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly successful people, but it certainly applies in marriage. Yeah. Um, seeking to understand can make such a big difference, not only in communicating about tough things, but e even more broadly in all kinds of ways. I love that. And I had three verses pop up in my head that can validate this, that can make it biblically based. Um, if anyone's questioning, where is that? Where do you find that in the Bible? How do you know that that's um, something that I should be doing? as a Christian, as a Christian wife. And the first one I thought of was seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So when we're mm -hmm. seeking him first, when we're seeking identity in him first, when we're seeking wholeness in him first to fill us up first, like you said, then yes. conversations, outcomes, connection will follow. The second one I thought of was, I don't know the verse by heart, but it's essentially the the when you were a child, you needed, you thought like a child, you, you needed milk and yes. now it's time for some meat. <laughs> that's a very, that's a yes. Very, yeah. That's that is actually at the very end of first Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Mm. When I was a child, I thought as a child and did all these things as a child. Now I'm grown up and I don't have to do things that way anymore. That's part of that is learning to feed yourself. I love that. And it's part of a, I guess, an after effect of proper love is growth is yes you you are able to love better um and not need so many things from your spouse instead of god um and then the third one i thought of when you said giving more than seeking was the one that says to be kind and compassionate to others and to consider your brothers more important than yourself so seeking to understand first with just knowing that when you walk into a conversation with your husband that feels uncomfortable or maybe you've had it a million times and it's yeah. frustrating to you, it's still 
understanding you are one of two people in this dynamic and you seeking to understand first will still help the conversation even if you still feel misunderstood. After after starting with your own heart, which I'm really glad that you started there because that's I say that on almost every episode is we can only control what's inside of us. What would be another or a next step once we've sort of evaluated, prayed before a conversation, allowed Holy Spirit to fill us up first? What would be a next step in getting on the same page? Yeah. Um, Invite your husband to join you in solving a problem. Many married couples that I talk with, it's like they're on opposite sides of the room, lobbing hand grenades at each other. And you're seeking to be right. Uh, And if you can just beat the other person down enough, well, then maybe you'll be right. But that doesn't get anywhere. And so a much more fruitful and I believe godly way of approaching this is to imagine you and your husband as sitting on the same side of the table and the challenge or issue or problem or thing you want to communicate about It's almost as a third thing out in front of you. You are not fighting your spouse. You are addressing this challenge. And the way you approach your husband uh, from that position of invitation, many men love to fix things. And so if you can invite your husband to help you fix this problem, there's a much higher chance he's going to join you. And that third thing can be anything. That third thing can be the the parenting challenge we have. You're not criticizing him for how he parents. You are looking at the parenting challenge and seeking to understand and solve it together. It can be the money challenge. It can be the sex challenge. It can be whatever it is, is the third thing out in front of you that you are working together to address. It's funny because just yesterday, my husband and I were looking at our finances because we had some expenses suddenly come up. And the instinct that we have is just like with Adam and Eve, pointing fingers. Well, you know, who's spending more and who's spending it where and who's more in the wrong. But then we had a a moment of, oh, yeah, okay, no, (laughs) this is the issue. This is our money. This is our, you know, we're on the same team. And so I thought about the verse with, we're all members of the same body. We have different gifts. Mm -hmm. We have different insights, understandings, and applications with those gifts. And we all, but when each member is functioning fully, we function well. Yes. Um, And then just the fact that we don't fight against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and the, 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 uh, the wherewithal, the clarity to remember Satan wants to attack us in any way possible. And when we're doing okay, you know, in our relationship, my husband and I have just recently remembered this because we've come up against a few things. Yes. Um, From anything from a flat tire and an unexpected cost here and there or outside external things um, that are trying to beat us down. We are remembering we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but principalities and again not against each other so I I love those three points so much um I want to just stop for a second Lydia if I can and comment on that you are so right so many of us you see your spouse is the enemy and he your spouse is not the enemy now I do want to just acknowledge that there are toxic marriages I I don't want to bypass that reality there are times 
when your spouse does have an evil heart, God makes provision, he understands. And so nothing that I, or I don't think you would want to say either, Lydia, that, that this does not mean you continue to keep in a situation where you are ongoingly being harmed. However, even in that situation, the true enemy of your marriage is not flesh and blood. We do live in a world at war and understanding that perspective can help you stop fighting against your spouse and start fighting for your relationship. So important. That's right. That's great. And so once, once a woman, a wife has started with her own heart and then she has remembered she's on the same team as her husband and who she's really fighting against um, and that they can function well together, what would be another point that can help her remember or tool to help her get on the same page in that conversation? I think having a conversation together about the future can help. Something like this, what do we want our marriage to look like Mm -hmm. in six months, a year, 10 years? Christian psychiatrist, Dr. Kurt Thompson says that God, when he looks at us, does not see us as a problem to be solved. He doesn't see your marriage as a problem to be solved. He sees it as a thing of beauty on the way to being formed. And we are co-laborers with him in building this thing of beauty right out of the mess, right out of the hard things. And imagining perhaps first in yourself, what's it like to be married to me? What kind of a wife do I want to be? And then to have some conversations with your husband about what do we want our marriage to be like in six months or a year or the future? That can be a practical question to help you sit on the same side of the table, looking at whatever is going on in your marriage and and get on the same page. This, I believe, is a piece of what every marriage uh, needs is rhythms of communication. Rhythms of communication is one of the investments that you have to make to help your marriage remain fully alive. In no other area of life do we expect things to just get better by default. Your uh, yard doesn't look better by default. You don't keep your body healthy by default. Uh, your bank account doesn't grow by default. You have to make investments. (laughs) You were talking about money. Um, You have to make investments. And many people slide into marriage rather than planning. And then they think, oh, the emotions will just keep us okay. We should just know how to do this. No, Uh, marriage isn't to make you happy. Marriage is a laboratory in which we learn to love well. In the best marriages, we get much happiness, but the goal is learning to love well. And that takes learning, takes investments. And part of that is these rhythms of communication. So having some, I believe, daily, weekly, and periodic check-ins from small to, you know, to to large, uh, not waiting until things get so big that neither of you can tolerate each other, um, that you start addressing the challenges that will come along the way. When my husband and I were married, he passed away and went home to be with the Lord. When we were married, we had what we called our board meetings. And this was every night when we would go to bed, 
we would check in with each other. Everything okay? Anything we need to to, to talk about? Sometimes it was just, I, I, I'm good. I love you. I'm tired. A kiss and good night. Sometimes there were issues mm-hmm. and we would bring them out into the light. Uh, you know, the uh, situation with one of the children or a financial concern or whatever, we couldn't always solve it. In fact, frequently we could not solve it right then, but we brought it out into the light. It was our regular board meeting check-ins so that we knew we were on the same team. This is a challenge that we can both look at. We didn't always see the challenge identically, but we came together looking at it from the same side. And some rhythm, whether it's you call it a board meeting or check-in or something to uh, just make it as a as a regular thing, that it's not strange that you talk about stuff. At those times, you listen as much or more than you talk. That's right. I think that initially that feels uncomfortable, especially in the beginning of a marriage when you're coming out of that honeymoon phase and you're not mm-hmm. quite sure what to do with the difficulties coming up. But I love what you said that you might not be able to solve it right away. I think sometimes that expectation is unspoken or even not understood that you're you're walking into it thinking, why is this still going on? That's a repetitive thing that I see and that I've experienced is, oh, not this topic again, not this conversation again. (laughs) It's frustrating, but having those regular check-ins, having that habit of coming together to check in and work towards something. I think in other realms, we understand that things take time. Um, My boys are in sports. It takes time to learn how to swing the bat well and catch the ball better. It's not an instant solution. And I think this day and age, we probably fight that more more so than before, just with instant gratification. And we're used to things getting done quickly. Um, at the click of a button and yet we can't just click the button on our husband and go okay good <laughs> that's that's done that's solved so I love that you brought in the perspective of the fact that it's a rhythm and the regular board meetings mm-hmm. um, and just to build that in so speaking to that what's something that can help that either get established or stay ongoing is it something as simple as putting it on the calendar or how did you develop that initially yeah it usually has to start with feeling awkward and doing it anyway. <laughs> um, you are so right that in our age of instant gratification, we want to push a button and, and have our uh, have our marriage fixed. And it, it, it doesn't happen that way. I had a wife I was talking with, I think it was just two days ago, and she and her husband are going through some things. And, and she asked me, I feel like we're the only one. Is it always this hard? My friends look like their marriages are all okay. And Mm -hmm. I said, 100% of the time this happens, your feelings will change and you will face problems. Every marriage is the union of two sinners, guaranteed. There are no other options available to marry. So you will marry a sinner. And here's the thing, your spouse married a sinner too. So 100% of the time, you will have things to work through. And so um, if you haven't been in the habit of these kinds of rhythms of communication, choose a time when your husband is um, 
more likely to, to be able to hear you, not when he's trying to watch football or he comes home tired at the end of the day or he's jumping into bed and he wants sex and you want to talk. Choose a time when he's more likely to be able to hear you and uh, bring it up with an invitation to help work on a challenge. Remember, most men like to fix things. If they feel like they can win, they will likely be more engaged. And just say something like, Honey, I just, I love you. I so appreciate however many years it's been that we have been together, whether it's six months or 16 or 60 years. I also know that we both want more and that God wants more for us. Can we spend just a little bit of time talking about, you know, what we want for our marriage and what that can look like and what kind of rhythms of communication maybe that we can start? in making this more of a habit for us invite him to join you in in making um in in making this and here's another thing that can be a great tool for for many women when your husband responds in any way even if it's partially in a way that is in a direction that that helps you feel connected let him know don't focus on the times that he hasn't let him know how much that meant to you. If you talk for 20 minutes, Saturday morning over coffee, you know, honey, I, I really enjoyed spending this time with you. I, I, I want to do this more. Let him feel like he is your hero. This doesn't excuse bad behavior. But if all you do is criticize him, he's not going to want to come closer to you. If he feels that you are his partner and you are building him up, that is part of you being the invitation for him to come closer and engage with you. Come to communication with that framework. This isn't denying problems, but it's, it's focusing and affirming the things that are positive and you'll see more of that. Again, verses pop up in my head. <laughs> One is... It's in Proverbs. There's a couple different ones that say essentially the same thing about a nagging wife being like a dripping faucet. Oh, Better to yes. live on the corner of a roof than under it with a nagging wife. I have an episode on that too. But also the verse that talks, is just the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Would you want to be nitpicked? Would you want to be told constantly what you're not doing enough of? Or be encouraged with the moments when you are. And as a mom, any moms out there, we understand the positive reinforcement effect mm -hmm. on our kids yes. more so than the negative, even though there's a time and place for a correction. But um, I love what you said about validating your your love first, your, your connection, your relationship first before mm -hmm. solving a problem together. I love this. I just, I have a, a last question here that I would love your perspective on. Yeah. I know that there are some listening right now who feel like, this is not achievable that this they can't attain this level of peaceful communication even just a difficult conversation but feeling okay about it yeah after so many times that they have not what would you say to the woman who doesn't believe that this is for her marriage being the union of two sinners you can only vote for you not even god will vote for your spouse so first of all realize that you cannot decide what the outcome will be. You can only be the invitation. Now, the vast majority of times, your husband will be drawn closer to you as you become 
more of the invitation. That is not a guarantee. You are not responsible for his behavior. And there are absolutely spouses who are, are closed off. Let me, in, especially in those kinds of troubled marriages, suggest a few ways to pray, some questions to ask Jesus. Um, I hope it's okay to, to, to go here, Lydia. Yeah. Um, but this can help, help you see the kind of, of, of steps to take and help you fight for your marriage on your knees. One of them is, Jesus, how do you see my spouse's heart? Seeing your husband with God's eyes uh, makes it a little less personal, and it can help you see him with more compassion, not excusing. Jesus looks at your husband with uh, complete love and honesty, compassion and honesty. If you can see the places where your husband is responding out of his own wounds, perhaps, then it feels less personal. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, but you can respond with compassion rather than bitterness. Yeah. Is your husband's heart evil? That takes a very different kind of response than just unhappy distance. You need that kind of perspective. Jesus, show me my husband's heart. Second, Jesus, show me my own heart. What's it like to be married to me? This is not self-contempt. It is, again, honesty and compassion. Jesus always looks at you that way. He knows all the expectations, all the hurt, all the times you've tried to talk. He also knows your own fear and um, anxiety and uh, bitterness. Sometimes you're responding, you think to your spouse and you're really responding to your mommy or daddy or an old friend or a previous relationship and your old baggage needs to be dealt with. Sometimes it's learning skills. Jesus, how do you see my heart? And then number three, Jesus, who do you need me to be to my spouse in this season? Sometimes Jesus needs you to take your grubby hands off so that he can do his work in your husband's life. Sometimes he needs you to have the hard conversations. If you are hiding and avoiding the stuff, sometimes he needs you to stay engaged when you don't want to. Sometimes he needs you to learn some skills and do some work in your own heart about your own baggage and grow up in filling your own soul needs first. Sometimes it's a matter of spiritual warfare, and he needs you to put on your fighting gloves and not attack your spouse, but attack the true enemy of your marriage on your knees. So seeking his input on who do you need me to be to my spouse in this season can help a lot. That's beautiful. So beautiful. And I think just a few things to contribute to that, to those yeah. points is... Um, I have an episode of, to your first point about your husband's heart, how to not let some of the things that they say hurt you by not taking things personally, by having that perspective. And a verse that came to my mind when you talk about the second point of showing me my heart is creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, starting yes. by asking him to point things out to you, but then being careful not to have pride get in the way of admitting what's there, seeing the yes. dirt and doing something about it. And just to not look at the speck in your husband's eye when you've got a 
plank in your mm-hmm. own for anything that God's asking you to do and change about you that can contribute to your marriage. So I so appreciate you sharing that with us about the rhythms of communication, about how to start with your own heart and invite your husband into it and have conversations about the future. And for those of you listening who don't feel like it's for you, um, these last three points are for you. And thank you, Dr. Carol, for coming on. And I pray blessings over this message for those of you listening and for you as well, Dr. Carol. Mm, Thank you so much. Would it be okay if I just mentioned a resource that we have on communication? Tell us where to find you. Yeah. DrCarolMinistries.com, D-R-C-A-R-O-L Ministries.com. And we have a guide to healthy communication in marriage. You can find that at DrCarolMinistries.com slash talk, T-A-L-K. If you want to check that out, I'd be delighted. Love that. Thank you so much. Well, this has been an honor. Thank you, Lydia. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.